Hi and welcome to episode 4 uh, of 2018. Uh, today is going to be a special episode for us. Uh, we're, we've got Marco back. I'm back. Uh, yay! Welcome back, Marco. Um, but we're also going to have us joining us uh, Chris Painter, the CEO of Omnitude. Um, I'll be pretty open with, your, with our listeners today. I am an advisor at Omnitude. Uh, they're doing some stuff with blockchain. I don't want to spell it, and I'll I'll let Marco and Vitor kind of lead the mm. questions uh, to Chris. Please try not to ruin Chris. I would really appreciate it, guys. He's our first guest on this uh, podcast, so please try not He's to ruin bribe him. Us, okay. Right? Did talk to him about that? You you can try and ask him to pay you in tokens for Omnitude, but you know <laughs> I'm not sure how it works. So I'm gonna bring him <laughs> over. We're good guys. Let's see if he picks up. So while we wait for Chris, how are you guys doing? Yo. We're doing good. I think Chris just joined. Chris, you there? All right. Are you putting a shirt on so you can turn on your camera? I just worked, right? <laughs> Earpods. Good. Um, so, so Chris, this works pretty simple, right? We uh, will ask you some questions and you'll answer them. Um, I've, I've told our listeners that uh, I will restrain from asking questions today as I do have a connection with Omnitude as an advisor. But let me introduce you to Vitor and Mark who will be asking the questions today. Vitor and Marco, do you guys just want to do a quick introduction of yourself to Chris? I'll let Vitor go first. Marco, you can start. Vitor? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on my side. So I'm the CTO of Binary Edge, uh, the cybersecurity data company in Switzerland. Uh, techie for, well, forever. And also learning about business with, and learning it while well, doing the MBA in real life without doing an MBA. So that's basically a good description, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Vitor? Yeah, I'm, I'm Vitor Domingos. I'm the, the only guy that actually, actually has a job uh, in this uh, kind of podcast. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I work for, uh, I'm a senior manager at, at Unisys, so one of the old kind of uh, school companies um, here in the UK. And I'm, I'm kind of help, helping Tiago uh, doing this kind of podcast. Well, you're the old school. Right. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I've met Chris a few years ago, uh, just to give our listeners a little bit of an intro. Uh, he was a system sysadmin uh, for one of the games I used to play. And, um, you know, we used to talk in-game and all of that. And at some point when I turned 18, I decided I would move to the UK. But I didn't know anyone in the UK. Uh, so the only people I knew in the UK was online from this game called Ultima Online. It was Chris and another guy called James. And essentially I moved to the UK and I, you know, kind of arranged the weekend of partying with James and Chris. And that's how I met them in real life. Uh, and this was what, 10 years ago. Yeah. So we've known each other for a while now. Yeah. Long, long time. Not a life. <laughs> Um, so, Chris, um, I've asked Marco and Vitor to put together a couple of questions to ask you. And the first one is, can you tell us a little bit about Omnitude? Uh, to really simplify it, Omnitude's a blockchain integration layer. 
It's designed to make it easy to push, pull, translate and merge data between enterprise systems such as ERP and WMS, e-commerce platforms and more importantly other blockchain technologies. We aim to make it easy to rapidly deploy these technologies but more importantly to use these data flows in new ways as Omnitude apps from both ourselves and by opening the platform to the community to build their own. Omnitude has then got some kind of premium apps that we want to build ourselves as well as kind of opening up to everyone. We want to build this ecosystem that anyone can go in there and start building apps um, using this technology. But there's some that we want to do that kind of hopefully go some way to fix challenges um, like supply chain issues. Um, one interesting thing we want to do is single sign-on across anything connected to the Omnitude cloud, which I think is a really powerful thing, amongst some other stuff that we go into on the website. Um, Chris, but why why using blockchain for that, right? Because they're pretty much with what you described, there are already solutions for that, pretty much everything, right? So <clears throat> there are solutions that do that. They cost significant amounts of money. Um, they take a very long time to deploy, and it's in quite a cornered market. Um, the ability to do that in blockchain is we're not looking at the things that we're doing now. It's not just data flows. It's an entire ecosystem for apps that the blockchain part of that, I see blockchain being a major driver of technology and a major kind of requirement in a lot of development going forward. So I think it's important for us to have transparency and immutability throughout the ecosystem. And e-commerce has been something you've done for quite a few years, right? Um, so, so can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background in e-commerce? Yeah, so I, um, I'm a self-taught developer. Well, I used to be a self-taught developer, designer, everything. I grew my current agency, um, pixel by pixel, from just me to, at the highest point, 23 staff um, over the past 12 years. Um, we've got a lot of our stuff is unfortunately behind NDAs, but we've got quite a few different brand name clients we're also the e-commerce kind of agency of record for two of the biggest companies in the world unfortunately we're not allowed to say who um, of course um, but yeah so in terms of I, I guess credibility of us um, uh, kind of through systems we've built it does I think the current last count was something like 96 million pounds worth of transactions every year um, excluding some of the, the bigger enterprise ones that we're not allowed to track just in, in terms of ones we're directly okay. responsible for. Okay, so Chris, just one question. Um, so, one of the big things uh, Omnitude, like you mentioned, is you have the blockchain, and now because of the, your e-commerce experience, you just mentioned about all the volume of transactions you have to deal with. So, one of the biggest talk points nowadays regarding blockchain is really the speed of the transactions. So if we look at, for example, Bitcoin, uh, there are around 200,000 transactions uh, in the backlog and it's only doing around five, six, seven transactions per second. Uh, we're looking at Ethereum, okay, much faster than Bitcoin, but still not enough speed for what we would consider uh, real-time payments nowadays. Uh, comparing to, uh, for example, Visa or MasterCard, one of the two biggest payment providers in the world, the amount of millions of transactions they do per hour per minute it's it's insane and uh, the blockchain as we know it nowadays uh, are the mainstream ones they can't get near that so uh, how do you 
do you uh, propose? Like, what, what does Omnitude do to uh, to deal with this problem? Why? Uh, because one of the things that I noticed about Omnitude is you also want to uh, be part of the transactions, be part of the payments. So, how will this affect you, or how will you deal with this real time payment issue? Uh, so, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Uh, Omnitude, we've kind of after a lot of thoughts around this, um, mm -hmm. seeing crypto kitties come and go. We've <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I, I, uh, early on in our um, design, we decided to use Hyperledger Fabric, which gives okay. us a lot more control. Um, it prevents miners and nodes putting any kind of restrictions on us. We can grow our own network. As when and when we choose, we we still want public participation in that, the ability for companies and individuals to run nodes. But Hyperledger Fabric, which we intend to use anyway, the aim is to achieve 100,000 transactions per second, which you know for that's us, a good that's yeah, that should definitely do us for the next year or two. Um, uh -huh. And you know, obviously from that we can keep scaling. Okay. Yeah, because I do ask this because uh, Square, uh, Square or Stripe, I keep mixing them. Um, they're one of the Stripe. one of the biggest uh, payment providers now, growing well in a startup brand, and they used to take bitcoins as a payment form, and now they cancelled it because well, it, those payments were taking just too long. So if you want to do e-commerce, and if you have payment providers saying, yeah, well, one of the major, well. It's not a cryptocurrency. It's, uh, Bitcoins is something weird at the moment. But yeah, if you can't take it because it takes too long, so there's, there's kind of that problem. That goes for everything at the moment. Kind of, yeah. I think as a society, um, we've become impatient over everything. And a few seconds even for a transaction is not long <laughs> enough. You know, we can barely wait a day for a parcel these days. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah. you know, for me, for, to drive the adoption of a system, everything needs to be instant. Mm -hmm. Um I had the pain of waiting two days for a death transaction to go through. Um, yeah, it's just not acceptable for that. And I think that, you know, um, people creating crypto projects at the moment need to bear that in mind. Yeah. That for the long term adoption, um, speed's going to be everything. Yeah. And you, you just mentioned people creating crypto projects. One of the questions I'd like to ask you is not specifically about Omnitude, but rather about the project itself. What issues have you seen about, you know, the, the token selling mm -hmm. process, getting the team together? Uh, what kind of support did you get? From whom did you get? Like, uh, how has that process been? Because you've been at that process for a few months now, right? Writing the white paper, all yeah, of it. Yeah, we've been in it, um, I think it's been about eight months in total since initial idea to, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, you have an idea, you kind of sit on it for six weeks. And it chews around and then find it. So, yeah. yeah, actually, this might have something. Um, and then to that point, we've, you know, it's only recently we've really started hiring. Um, a lot of the work in the white paper was from me. Um, someone's phone. <laughs> uh, a lot of the work in the white paper was from me. Um, we've then, you know, one of the first hires we had was the blockchain architect. Mm -hmm. um, then, Onto that, we've gone on to kind of marketing. We've been quite lucky to kind of bump into and find quite talented people um, that have come aboard. They've read the white paper, believed in the project, and offered their services. And you know, as we've gone further and further, that's we're starting to attract people. That I think there's a general drive now that people 
kind of find a project they love and then go to work for it. They want to work for it, sorry. Okay, um, so um, looking at, uh, at, um, at Omnitude, one of the things that you want to achieve is uh, bring this kind of blockchain to the, um, uh, to the supply chain. Uh, e-commerce supply chain and probably connect that to possibly RFPs. Um, how do you how do you see that playing um, in in the future, right? Because when you look at uh, big um, big uh, commerce companies, they pretty much use SAP or any kind of those old legacy um, RP systems. How how do you how do you plan? Do you have any kind of vision to integrate things into that, or you just uh, you want to build a platform and then wait for them to come? Well, one of the kind of one of the things I think we're going to see especially over the next year or two is more and more desire as consumers to see every bit of data about the transaction that we're doing um which already kind of greater visibility um and ownership of that data so when you order a product <clears throat> you can you can see the entire history of it when it came what its route to market was from you you can then um guarantee kind of the her heritage of that product where it's come from whether it's been, for example, returned and reissued into stock, whether a supplier has actually genuinely got that into stock, uh, generally got it in stock. Um, we've all had that experience where we've ordered something on next day delivery and five, ten days later it actually turns up. Um, so part of that is, you know, kind of credibility of maybe smaller suppliers I could see in terms of you can build a lot of trust if you can prove that you've got the product and prove the heritage and it's there in stock and your price is then in escrow as well, mm -hmm. then there's there's a lot more rise for smaller retailers. You know, one of the reasons that a lot of people say, for example, use Amazon is trust. Mm -hmm. If you can build that kind of transparency of supply chain, um, proof of the product and escrow around delivery and so on as one certain one, one package, then I, I think people will make that move to smaller retailers. Um, the, other, the other part around it, obviously, you said uh, people use SAP. That's that's only available for the, you know, very very large retailers. We we hope to bring kind of that kind of power to smaller retailers, and enable them to start competing on a certain level, and maybe kind of again almost the, the wrong words decentralized, but you know, kind of. Make that market a bit more fragmented and not in the power of, you know, retail is moving more and more towards maybe two or three different companies, and that's it. And don't you think that the market is because I'm, I I did a bit of research, and I'm just looking at the blockchain project ecosystem for supply chain logistics and and provenance. And there's a bunch of companies right now that provide this kind of service. How do you compare yourself against the other ones that um, are either already operating in this sector or they're just starting as, as yourself? Is there any kind of thing that actually differentiate uh, you from the others? So, you know, the, the goal of our project isn't to do supply chain. We're, we're kind of, so we're building Omnitude as this app ecosystem that lets us do these data flows. And then we're building some kind of almost example apps where we think we can add value and they also then become quite good demonstrations of what the system can achieve. So although, yes, we are using a lot of our experience in supply chain, uh, we work for quite a few supply chain companies 
and we think we've got a lot to add there in value. These are going to be the starting point, and we're we're there to kind of push. Um, sorry, I've kind of lost the words. People are messaging me. Um, we're there to to <laughs> kind of push all of the devs and the agencies we want to work with to build their own apps and. Yeah, we want to integrate with those other supply chain apps so that people can start doing more interesting things as layers on top of that technology. We're, we, you know, we're not going okay. and locking out and going, that's our supply chain, that's the only supply chain part we're going in. We're doing that as a documented app within it to show what we think is possible in supply chain, but also lead as an example to others. And for people to take that technology further and perhaps adapt it or adjust it or even use it as the basis mm -hmm. of their project. Uh, Chris, uh, these um, the, uh, in these episodes where we interview startups, we usually try to allocate 15 minutes to it. So I'll, I'll give you the last question. Um, a lot has been happening on the news in terms of you know mm -hmm. ICOs going wrong or tokens being stolen or people running away with the ICO money. So the question I want to ask you is, what are you guys at Omnitude doing to prove you're legit, to show the transparency to people that this is not a project you know that's going to disappear from one day to the other? And in combination with that question, has all the crisis that has been happening in the ICO uh, ecosystem been affecting you guys or not? So I think there's multiple parts to that. I think one of the one of the problems with things like money being stolen from ICOs is there's quite a lot of, uh, not the ideal word to use, but naive people that have managed to run ICOs. And so, you know, we've we're not many ICOs are coming out of existing companies. So I think that instantly kind of legitimizes us a bit. We're not; it's not our first rodeo, that's for sure. We, we we've obviously had to do a lot of work around security of data and so on in e-commerce. Um, we're not going to go clicking links that we get for the Nigerian lottery. Um, <laughs> so there's that part of it and you know there's there's a lot of people that you know still do quite naive actions around data security I think in terms of us running away with the tokens all of our tokens are vested um, we're also being an English company um, we're going to be audited every year so people can see where we're spending our funds um, that'll be an independent accountants audit which will be published for the community to see where, where that money's been spent Yeah, and that data should be available in Company House, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit different, okay. uh, I guess, mm -hmm. with, with with that. Being being under UK company law, there's a lot more restrictions on us, what we've got to do. You know, as directors, we're, it's a criminal offence for us to work against the interests of the company. Um, I quite like not being in prison. So... I think it's quite useful. Uh, yeah, and you know that's that's for me. I, it's a project I really want to succeed. You know, mm -hmm. I've worked very hard over the last eight months on this. I really, it solves a major problem that we've dealt with for the past, you know, five six years doing this, and I'm really excited to see it succeed. And I think all of us agree that we would very much like to watch it succeed and we look forward to, you know, celebrating the Omnitude uh, token sale, hopefully in a couple of days. Yeah, we're doing the, Can you give us the a date? The pre-sale is going on Tuesday. Um, we've got the whitelist still open for a bit, but we're quite oversubscribed on that. And then the, the, mm -hmm. main, ice, the main token sale <laughs> is in February. Okay, okay. 
I'm, I, just before you go, I'll I'll just like to ask one last yeah, question. I have, I have to. What I is the craziest? Oh man. You do okay. You go first then, because mine is a really basic question, and it will go at the end. But well, go on, Vito. Mine do yours. it doesn't anything to do with omnitude. I think that we should stop there with your <laughs> last pitch. Um, my two question is: uh, You said that you um, um, you have a UK company. It's going to be regulated. I'm looking at um, uh, at also the the UK market. Do you see any kind of uh, regulation regarding blockchain for the UK soon? And secondly, what do you think about Kodak um, doing their kind of blockchain mining and <laughs> stuff for, for photographers? Um, I've actually, I've been away at an event um, in London for the past couple of days. So I've seen a lot of people have sent me things about Kodak. So I haven't had a chance to catch up on that yet. I only actually arrived back about an hour ago. Um, sorry, can you repeat the other part? Oh, uh, I, I, I think regulation is important. Um, I think especially considering the, the B word that no one likes to say, I think England will probably take quite a soft stance on crypto in terms of, mm. I, I think the United Kingdom, I should say, um, want to kind of, they have always actually kind of promoted entrepreneurship, want to promote business um, with our departure from our European cousins coming up. I think, I think it's quite important that, the UK will be promoting business wherever possible. So I don't see them doing a big crackdown. I think mm. regulation kind of as long uh, kind of the, the company law in the UK, I think is quite strict anyway. So I, I don't see the much demand for regulation. The same as um, for me as well. I, you know, I'm not a, an advisor, a, a legal advisor by any means, but I think, I think the kind of investment regulation is quite, loose anyway in the uk from what i understand so but i think it covers already kind of a lot of the stuff that i'd see around that okay great so my last question and we'll let you go get your rest during this weekend thank you very much for cyrus for taking the time to talk to us my question is what's the craziest thing that has happened to you in this process of the ico thing what's like been the craziest offer you've gotten or the weirdest thing that has happened you know no need to name names but just tell us something that you found out of the ordinary that happened to we, you. we had someone offer quite quite well i've got two actually um, we had we had one person wanted to <laughs> buy five million dollars worth of tokens and proved that they they could which okay <laughs> You know, it's a quarter, yeah, one twenty percent of our tokens they wanted to buy. Um, seriously, uh, I, you know, they've they're currently considering just joining the ICO on a lesser amount because I said that's not really fair. We want a nice even spread. Um, and then the second one is someone wanted me to go get five hundred thousand euros in cash to buy tokens. <laughs> and the whaty whaty. My thoughts behind that was that I'd end up in a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> with the, with the money or without? Yeah. That's an important well, question you should have asked. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would say that there are I'm, many questions around I'm going to go ahead and um, guess you reply. Based on the legal, <laughs> um, legal no. stuff, let's just... Yeah. We yeah. Keep on like <laughs> I'm just going to assume, Chris, that you replied, you need to go through, through our KYC AML I process so before I, I, I can accept that, that, right? Unfortunately, they declined when I mentioned that we'd need to do KYC. Uh, <laughs> and we could do the transaction within the confines of a UK bank. Um, they weren't oh, too keen on that. 
it's 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 just a shame that it's not right. Brazil. You could just do that in Brazil, no problem. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, thank you very very much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Go get some rest and have thank a nice you, weekend. Chris. And good luck with Omnitude. Thanks. Bye bye. All right. Anyway. So. Um, that was Chris Painter, CEO of Omnitude. Uh, you guys can check their website at omnitude.tech. Uh, as Chris mentioned, they're now starting the process of pre-sales and all of that. Um, so, Mark and Vitor, what did you guys think? You know, it's funny. Uh, someone on Twitter actually mentioned this week that um, oh, what was it that he said? He said that we're too skeptical about blockchains on this podcast, that the three of us are too skeptical. He used the Portuguese expression for that. He called us <laughs> velhos do restil. But uh, essentially, it was, he said that we are too skeptical and that we should be more open uh, about this blockchains is my opinion and all blockchain. of that. So far, I'm still waiting for a good example on its use cases. Um, most of the examples I've seen, they don't deal with the real-world problems. Uh, being that... Uh, payments so far they've been slow as hell they don't resolve anything in payments payments have been something that the industry uh, to, uh, like Vitor has experienced on a more corporate side has had that experience for years uh, decentralization um, I think that's a, a bit of a utopic world if there's no one backing it up I don't really believe that we're going to see a big deployment of blockchain that's decentralized that's used in a mass, uh, mass, mass consumption-wise, and no, blockchain, uh, Bitcoin is not a mass consumption. It's a niche of the market, uh, less than well, the one, the one, the one percent of the population that uses it. So it's not really a mass product. Okay, some people know about it. Uh, elections, the same. They don't really doesn't blockchain doesn't fix problems in elections. So I'm still waiting to see a concrete uh, example to it uh, where we can fix it. Uh, a lot of people talk about it. But don't really think about that. Uh, I see blockchain when we need trust as a, one, an important thing. We need trust on the data. So a lot of stuff that people suggest, just use a, a ledger. That's what you want. It's a ledger. It's a technology known from the 80s. It works. And that's what you need. But of course, nowadays, if you want trust because you don't trust the environment where you are, okay, maybe the, the cryptography uh, features of the blockchain can help you on that. Um, I'm not really skeptic. I'm more skeptic about all the projects that we've been seeing so far. I'm waiting for a project that, that comes out where it shows that, okay, this is the real potential for the blockchain that we can see. I'm not going to jump the wagon like, oh my God, this is the blockchain like we see most Silicon Valley do. This is the best technology. And like last year, the technology was bots, chatbots. Then it was AI. Now it's the blockchain. And we're going back to AI again. So... The, the technology goes, it, it keeps yeah. growing. Um, currently, the blockchain, as we've seen it, uh, still going to change a lot. Uh, I think it will have an impact in the future in, in some industries. Not every single industry in the world. Are, like, the technologies we have for 100 years that don't affect in every single industry in the world. So, I think we have to be pragmatic about the technology. It's not the best thing in the world. Uh, yeah, we are skeptic about it because of the current projects. They then work so i'm sorry about it but yes once you show me something that's good Vitor, you've got your skeptical face on <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's i think it's i don't think it's that so i think that we should split two things here the first one is blockchain and the second one is bitcoin so the part that 
the the money part of the of the of the equation the other one is how we um, authenticate things right how you make sure that things are real and they are signed and um, uh, they they belong to someone stuff like that um so um looking at the part of the money all of those uh, bitcoin currencies and uh, and uh, forks that people are doing out there and what what not I do believe that we need some kind of currency uh, to compete with the dollar. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, these cryptocurrencies are going to be uh, that kind of currency that we'll uh, compete and we will be using um, globally as just one coin for for us to uh, start um, uh, trading and doing stuff. Um, I see Bitcoin has has a huge huge advance against the other ones. But to be honest, I, I don't see the legal someone, uh, some country or some um, uh, kind of uh, bank supporting that from a, a legal point of view. Um, on the other hand, I see banks probably using blockchain internally for their own projects, for their mm -hmm. own stuff. Um, I see that as, as part of, uh, of the architecture that they're going to do in the future to make sure that transactions are, um, are real, are signed. But uh, transposing that to the real world, I think it's really complicated because when you talk about blockchain, the most u common use case that people use is, well, let's do smart contracts because that's really cool and, and people will, will understand that. But when, when we transpose that into the real wor world, actually it's not going to work because um, for us to have a contract, it's not something that you and I sign. It needs to be legally bound to something right it needs to the lawyers that's the specific. difficult part exactly it needs to comply with a specific law it has some kind of format it has some kind of text that test is already approved it's already proven on court so it's it's really complicated to do smart contracts in in this kind of way so bottom line um and and and, and on top of that let's add all of the news that people are losing wallets uh, Ponzi schemes, Zycos. So there's a lot of vaporware. There's a lot of bad press around it. So I'll, I'll probably just wait a couple of years to see the a real use case. Um, I can see banks using blockchain in the future for their own purpose. That's cool. I don't see probably you and I uh, doing this mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be case by case. Yeah, I think. Banks will start using blockchain more and more, and insurance companies, I see them using this more and more, but also because of the trust issue. Uh, some industries will gain from this, uh, but I don't think it's going to be some. So, the next five years, I don't see this being something common for the normal user. But it might be a backbone in some industries, but that's still going to take some time. I will see about that. What about you, Tiago? Um, yeah, so, so for me... Um, I, I agree with the person that commented that, you know, maybe for myself, that I've been a bit skeptical uh, about the blockchain uh, ecosystem and all of that. Uh, it's also why, you know, when Chris invited me to be an advisor, I decided to accept. Um, you know, I needed to understand what the product was, but I knew the team and I know the team behind it is strong. Um, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to learn about, because up until this point, I've criticized the blockchain ecosystem as an outsider 
So I thought, you know, I saw this as an opportunity for me to actually jump in. And I'm seeing the hurdles that the team is going through. You know, we've got our Telegram channels. We've got our emails that we trade between each other as a group. And I'm learning a lot, you know, and I see that at least specifically for these guys, they're, they're working really hard. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to comment on the product itself. Uh, I don't have enough expertise in e-commerce. I'm an advisor in terms of cybersecurity. Uh, but... I'm finding it really interesting uh, because it's really a different set of challenges. Going from understanding like this thing of doing bounties uh, to try and get followers, to try and get translations, there there is a lot of work. If people if people believe that doing a proper ICO the way these guys are doing, that's supposed to be I think thirty million or something like that, is just setting up a website uh -huh. and you know getting some people to sign up. It, it's not. Yeah, if you want to do I'm it telling properly, you it's not. Um, it, there is a lot of yeah. There is a lot of work behind it, like vetting the white paper, vetting every single media publication, uh, all of those things. It, it's not the, easy. Uh, actually, one of the I, things I, I did enjoy. Sorry, I would one of say I did enjoy actually by yeah? Omnitude comparing to uh, to other icos that we've that we've seen is they have a technical and non technical white paper that are quite easy to read. And usually, I remember mm -hmm. reading some ICO, uh, ICO white papers, and off by like page two already, I'm like, "What the hell is going on here? Isn't there like the simplified version that yeah. puts out all the number, number, blah, 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 of the of the of technical stuff or just bullshit from business side?" So, and that's that, that's that was something I did enjoy about the, uh, for, about the guys from Omni. I think they're doing a good job on that side. So I'm intrigued to see what they can do. Yep. You, you actually have a website that ranks ICOs, and they did extremely well. Uh, there's a website that like aggregates, I can't remember what the name is now, I'll make sure it mm -hmm. goes in the description, that aggregates all the ICOs and ranks them. Uh, and the guys from Omnitude did really, really well, because you need to go through certain uh, mm -hmm. factors to get a higher rank, like have a certain amount of advisors, have a really good technical paper, and these guys evaluate the paper and everything, and it did extremely well. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm finding it quite interesting and, and learning a lot. Um, so just moving on to a different topic now. Uh, Google in Portugal. What do you guys think about that? Oh, man. Vitor. <laughs> um, well, um, hmm. And Amazon that's, in Porto. And Amazon. Amazon, Amazon they're thinking that. about it. They, try, they, they are still thinking about it. Not approved yet. If Let, <laughs> let's not be that those old guys from, from the Muppets show. Uh, but you are. Yeah, to keep complaining about pretty much everything. But um, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, um, I think I'm going to go with Mike Butcher that says that um, it's going to be pretty much a call center. It's still 500 jobs. Perfect. Um, if Amazon goes to, to Porto, even better. Um, I think that the low location in um, near Lisbon, it's um, it's a terrible, near? terrible location. It, um, well, it's it's between Lisbon and, and Sintra, so um, it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 really <laughs> bad. But uh, but that's not me to to judge. Um, um, either way, uh, they're going to increase an, an office. They're going to hire people there. If it's if it's going to be um, uh, qualified or high qualified, um, um, we'll definitely know in a couple of months or years to uh, to know. Yeah. Um, right now, it's completely complicated for us, or at least for me, to have an opinion about that. Yeah. Great for Portugal, um, but I don't see that as a as a great technology hub for yeah. Europe or or Africa. But that's me. If the if the call center rumors are true, then 
yeah, okay, it's a good starting point. Uh, it's an entry point for Google in Portugal. Uh, it's, in, uh, it's a starting point uh, for the the Portuguese-speaking countries for Google because they get in Portugal they, they, we have a good relationship with those countries. Well, for reasons. So it's a good entry point for Google to understand better those uh, those countries, those economies, and what people need, uh, AdSense-wise. Uh, but from there, it's uh, actually it's quite good sort of good with the place where they're going to be because they have a good uh, university five minutes away uh, Institute Superior Technic and where they have some of the best engineering uh, degrees in, in the country so they can get engineering students if they want to uh, but that depends if they decide to go that road and I'm from my circles some people are telling me it's just going to be a call center some people are telling me you now there will be engineering there uh, there will be high value jobs there so high skill jobs so I'm still waiting to see uh, what in reality it's going to be. But the bottom line is, it, I think it's going to be good. It's good for the country. It's on the news. People are talking about it. So Yeah. I mean, I, I think it makes sense. For a while, I've been saying that I believe Portugal to be one of the best countries right now uh, in terms of getting accessible priced engineering uh, staff. Um, you know, if you compare it to india or usually ukraine and all of that uh, you always hear you know your typical problems of communication integration all of that and i don't think those problems will hap happen you know with engineering from portugal or will it will happen but at a more reduced level um at at same time um if it's a call center it's a win-win situation because google has shit support line so at least now they're gonna have proper call support <laughs> So either way, it's a win for the people that actually rely on Android in the Google ecosystem. Um, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, let, let's see. Uh, um, let's wait and see. With you, uh, it's really good to have these companies uh, betting in, in Portugal. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is telling that these companies are going to create, are going to employ high-skill uh, jobs and high-skill employees there. Uh, that's going to be hard to uh, hard to know and hard to tell. So we need to to give some time. The other thing that we need to think about is, um, well, we all left Portugal for a reason, right? And um, it's probably between us. It's not going to be Google opening an office in Portugal that will make us return to Portugal to to start working there again. But that's me. Um, I'm not sure about that. So for, for me, I'm. I, I think I'm one of the few people that says this, but I'm actually okay with the taxes in Portugal. I'm okay with, you know, how things are there as long as I can have a good enough salary. But I know not everyone agrees with this. And if Google is able to offer, say, 4K a month gross, I, I think you'll see a lot of people going back. Because lots of the people that leave, you know, it's because they're getting shit salaries. Portugal is great in terms of food, in terms of weather, quality terms of, of things to do cheap. in Lisbon. Quality of life is, it's, yeah, exactly, it's cheap. So if you can get a good salary, and I don't see why Google wouldn't offer that, because a good if they can get a good engineer in Portugal, it's going to cost them less than half than what they would pay here in Switzerland, in the US, and even in London. London's yeah. freaking expensive. And I say this as a person living in Switzerland. <laughs> Seriously, guys, get get your prices under control. Um, 
things are more expensive there they're than not. here. They're not. Uh, in terms of rent, oh, we've had this conversation before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah, going down this road do again that, with you guys. But yeah, uh, salaries in it's Portugal are, um, are increasing quite, uh, like very fastly uh, in the last two, three years. Uh, a lot of uh, UK companies are investing in Portugal for engineering jobs, and we see like the market is being completely taken uh, over by those companies. I know Sky's there. I think Aeronex is there, and so and they have a lot of big startups growing now like TalkDesk and uh, Unibabble so they are hiring a ton of people so the market is starting to fill it yeah, feeds yeah, and the salaries are increasing them. because of it yep. so now put more players like Amazon as Google that they have the pockets to pay and they don't mind paying to get the people they want salaries will start increasing and and I think that is the one problem uh, when people ask me you know, are you happy about going to Portugal I am very happy. I just think it's actually going to screw us, screw up our startup ecosystem, because it's the problem Switzerland has. Mm-hmm. Startups here can't hire people because they're competing competing with salary levels of Googles, of Facebooks, of you know the big companies here as well. So, I'm I'm looking well, forward to see what's going uh, to happen. Uh, remember what, what I told you like uh, two two months ago uh, when the iPhone X came out. I was talking to some guys in Portugal and their opinion was, well, you work for a startup, so that shouldn't be a problem for you to do. Why don't you just buy an iPhone, uh, iPhone X? And I was looking at them like, you realize this is <laughs> 1,000 pounds, right? And they were like, yeah, so you work in a startup. You should have money to buy one. It's like, what do you guys think a startup is? The the concept of startup and the entire startup ecosystem is completely screwed. Yeah. But that's a discussion yeah. for another yeah. day, guys. Uh, again... To our listeners, thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe, share, let us know what you thought of the episode. Uh, I would like to do a plug. All of us and one friend of ours called Basilio, we have an Alexa skill called uh, Tech Shot Coffee. Tech, Vitor, tech help coffee. me out. <laughs> you should know coffee. that because you're uh, doing so this week of Tech Coffee, <laughs> remember? <laughs> Essentially, uh, you get every morning a new set of news read to you by one of us. Uh, it's maximum of two minutes and you get your tech update every morning on your alexa please install it try it out give us some feedback it's really appreciated that you guys give us some feedback i'm not sure fine alexa if you're not sure (laughs) um and that's it uh guys thank you very much and i'm very happy to have you have my co-host it's been great hosting the podcast this year with you guys and see you all next week have a good one